Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 21 of season 2 of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. I am so excited about this episode today because I am talking to the wicked Taz Nichols of Lewis Nichols Dog Training all the way in New Zealand. Taz, how are you, babe? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on your morning and my evening. Sorry for getting the time. We've we've had a nightmare connecting with working out time zones and stuff. It's very early for me, so people will have to to bear with me because I'm like still half asleep. So, who are you? What are you? What do you do? <laughs> I am. So, well, that's a good question, actually, because some people are like, so who's Taz and who's Lewis? <laughs> exactly that. I know, that's why I say like, Taz, Taz Nichols of Lewis Nichols Dog Trading. Huh? Right. Why have you got two names you show off? <laughs> so, Taz has been my nickname since I was about... Like it's been since I was about four or five. I think I got it. There's been three theories as how I got it because it's been that long ago. I don't actually remember. It was one. I was at karate, and we had to spin around and do stuff, and like the Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. My mum said this other one, which I don't believe, where I was swimming, and they were like, oh, "I was like a Tasmanian Devil," but you'd think they'd call me like a shark or something, right? If I was swimming, <laughs> not a Tasmanian Devil. And the third one, I think that's the one I used most when I was growing up. It was like because I was fast. As I was growing up, I was quick. And so right, okay. they're the three reasons why I'm called Taz and it just stuck. And like my mum and dad call me Taz. Everyone calls me Taz. It was just when I came to New Zealand that it I had to put Lewis on stuff and whatnot. And then professionally, it's more Lewis. And then just with my mates and whatnot, it's Taz. Cool. Like either or. I don't really care. But you but yeah, I, to both. Yeah, so that's the same person. Lewis and Taz are the same person. Um, it's like you've yeah, got a stage name. Exactly. <laughs> if someone's oh, Taz did, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> same with Lewis. <laughs> yeah, who's that? <laughs> that's brilliant. So I've got to say, before we get any further, do you want to give any of the listeners some advice on how to play correctly with a flirt pole? <laughs> I thought you... Oh. <laughs> Well, the way I play with a flirt pole is I try and think that it's a rabbit. Are you taking the piss because it hit me in the nuts a little while ago? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> I'm going to have to link the video to the show notes. So <laughs> I just thought that that's what you were asking me. I've not seen the video. Taz was playing with, what was the dog you were playing with? Uh, it was Minnie, a little uh, miniature English bull terrier. Right, so it's a little bull breed. So I feel that you may have got a bit cocky with how much the bull breed was going to hold on to the toy. I think you took that for <laughs> yeah. granted a little bit. And for those of you that don't know what a flirt pole is, basically a stick with normally like an elasticated or sort of a bit of string, but the one Taz was using was clearly elasticated and then a toy at the end. Um, for horsey people, imagine a lunge rip with a toy tied to the end of the, the tassely bit. Um, and as Minnie got directly opposite Taz and pulled back as much as she could, she just released, dude, I'm not going to lie, she set you up for that. Like, that looked like that dog went, <laughs> and just let go. It was brilliant. It happened to me literally two days ago with Adira. Like, Adira normally, like, grabs a hold of it and doesn't let go. And then, but I'm getting a kind of knack now. Every time there's a sudden change, I just, oh. I moved my knee, my leg a little bit, so it like hits me on the thigh. Your hip block. You've learned yeah. to hip block yourself. 
but yeah, now that was, yeah, so it happened like twice in the space of a week, but yeah, wow. that's a, I, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. But that's funny because like, there's another video where I'm playing with a Kong on rope and the same thing happens. This was years ago. I was playing with a, um, it was Atlas, a Border Collie. And he, he was like, I think I was doing like indication work and making him like wait and then grab it. And mm-hmm. then he like, he, you know, some dogs really fucking rag their heads, right? Yeah. He did that and just let go. It bounced off the floor and they're heavy, right? And just go, <laughs> boom, right where it hurts. And so like, it's not an uncommon occurrence. And I, and I'm always getting them on video as well. I'll have to send you that one if you haven't seen One thing I did actually, because obviously I saw it, fell on the floor laughing, watched it again, laughed some more, showed hubby, and hubby was like, oh, which I feel was probably the male reaction to watching that video. And then he went, is that why you always told me to be careful playing with a flat pole as much? I was like, yes, babe, because this can happen. It's funny it's though because usually like with a flirt pole, there we yeah, go. That's exactly. Safety. Yeah, so exactly like that's normally like I won't do that. <laughs> you know, very the only dogs I do it with like a deer. I I use it with a deer as a kind of a lunge pole, like okay. as a kind of like pulse because you can't see and whatnot. So I I kind of let it go running around and whatnot. But most of the time, obviously, when they get it, they've got it, they rag it and stuff like that. And, so yeah, let's explain to the listeners who Adira is because I do want to talk about her because I think um, a lot of times when we when we obviously think of dogs, we just assume that all their senses are working and we know that sometimes there are deaf dogs, sometimes there are blind dogs. Um, was she a double male breeding? Yeah, so we, so the, well, I think the story with her is that the breeder wasn't a very... How about an ethical person? <laughs> Let's Didn't just leave do it the at research. that. Well, he was, I think, what we've heard is that someone was trying to create a new breed and they liked that mole colour and they were breeding double moles together and they tried to create a Batman hound. That's what we've heard. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that's like kind of what we've heard from everyone that knew Adira previously and knew what, where she came from. And then because of the double mole, um, you sometimes get the kind of either the deaf or the blind pups. And she, I think I could remember, yeah, there's like a quarter chance of being deaf or blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's which like is that. why breeds that have merle in them and breeders that are responsible, it's, you don't cross a mole with a mole. Um, Chihuahuas have merle in them. So when I was doing all the research on Chica, I didn't know if she had Merle in her line. I don't believe she did. But I was very careful to select a male that I knew didn't have Merle because I didn't want to mm-hmm. risk having <laughs> yeah. a small litter that potentially could be brought. And we're not saying that, like, you know, obviously having having a dog that's blind or a dog that's deaf is necessarily detrimental to the dog's existence, but it does come with challenges. And it's not like living with a... I don't want to use the word normal because I don't think that's fair or, or correct. Yeah. But life with a dog that can see and hear perfectly is much easier than a dog that can't. Yeah, and, and exactly. And also, like, it's kind of predictable that these things will happen. And I've said before, yeah. like, Adira shouldn't exist. 
You know, like it's purely through, through, through selfish reasons that a dog like her exists and there you got the fallout. And so Adira can't hear or see. And so she was born with really heavily underdeveloped eyes. So she could see like, well, I say I see, she could detect light and dark. So okay. if we went in and turned a light on, she would go like that. And I, if you've seen early pictures of her, she's got like, they like eye holes, not eyeballs. It's just yeah, a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're so like little did, sort of sunken-y, little stuff. Yeah. So, and so what we did try initially was we, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's a, the entropian where they kind of try and cut away a bit of the skin around the eyes so it doesn't keep like going into the eyeballs to mm -hmm. kind of rectify it a bit. Um, and we tried that and that didn't really work. And then she just kept getting shit in her eyes and like we've got a, a load of bush and so when we took her out for a walk she had goggles on um, and she didn't really like wearing the goggles and mm -hmm. it was just a hassle because we were having to clean them all the time and whatnot and then we were like okay why don't we we went back to the vets that we really like the strand in Auckland and uh, they just recommended why don't we just close them up um, and yeah. so what they ended up doing is they ended up scooping out the rest of the eyeballs um, and then they closed up the eyes and yeah, it's it's much better for her now. Um, and so, but since having that operation, because obviously people listening might be like, "Oh my god, that sounds horrendous." But from the point of view that she's now not getting all the muck in her eyes, she's not having yeah, to wear yeah. the goggles which she wasn't comfortable with. You're not having to clean her eyes, which I'm, which must have been stressful for her to an extent because if she's having a day and she's sort of not in the mood, but you've got to clean her eyes. It's not like you can go, yeah. "Oh, we don't need to do that today." Like. That's a welfare yeah, thing. She got, oh. yeah, and she was very sensitive to that sort of stuff as well, because, you know, like, you can do as much cooperative care as you like, but you can't, the best you can hope to achieve is, is like, getting them to tolerate it. But, you know, like, yeah. for instance, I would think, I don't know how much I'd be able to tolerate someone tickling my feet all the time, because I just personally do not like that. Mm. Regardless of how much counter-conditioning is going along with that, if you're giving me money and tickling my feet, I'm never going to enjoy you tickling my I feet. I can't stand I'm my feet it. being touched. That's a exactly. really good example. I'm like, I'm seeing it yep. out. My toes are going like, no, get off, don't do it. <laughs> and, and another thing I remember, one of the first days we got her, like a little moth had flown into her eye. And we were like, oh, shit. And now we've got to get it out. And like, we don't, we had her maybe less than a week. And she was wow. very sensitive. So like, we tried to touch her face. She's like, get off. She became very, she was very suspicious, obviously, because the previous rescue we were having to do the same thing. Mm. Um, and, and she just really didn't like it. So in the end, with stuff like that, you kind of, I think I sneaked up on her with a syringe. And this was like how we needed to get it out. And so I just went to her and just squirted, like I'd flushed it out pretty much. Yeah. But she hated it. And so like, you've got to think, she's living for 15 years. The chances of stuff like that continually happening is very, very high. You yeah. know, and like just going into the bush, you got we got brambles, we've got twigs and stuff. I like we cleared a route. We we did an Adira walk whereby we didn't even take her for a walk. We took went for a walk with a machete and whatnot, and was just cutting all the roots out of the way so she could go on it. Because if there's a stick like sticking out like that, it would hit her in the face. Because yeah, 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 you've got to be careful with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So overall, I think it was the best uh, decision to make, and she seems okay she's got a little bit it's a little bit itchy still but it was only a little while ago that it was done but it's healing up really nicely and they did a really really good job and so. she seems kind of happier because you're not having to fuss around her face and like yeah you haven't got to do anything like that, that. so but to be fair to her sorry no no go on carry on i was just gonna say like to be fair to her she's a really resilient dog and so we, we're really lucky with like 
you know, she might get a spook. Like for instance, she might be walking and if some dogs are playing, they bump into her. She might get a little spook. And then all we have to do is literally go over and put our like toucher. And she's like, oh, it's you, thank you. And then she's sweet. And so like, if she gets spooked, she's generally just like super like bomb proof in that respect. And, and like whenever she meets someone, cause we, we also met her sister from another litter. Um, and she's a lovely dog as well. Same, same issues, deaf and blind. And, but when so, this so this had happened previously. It wasn't like there was her one litter, and they oh, went. No, oh, this might be a bad idea. Like they created a few of these. I think so. Yeah, and I'm pretty Ooh. sure that I can't. I, I might be getting a few details wrong, but I know one of them was have, like the dad or the uncle had to be euthanized because of aggression issues and whatnot. Oh, beautiful! So, just... so breeding for temperament as well as blind and deafness. Wonderful, great. Yeah, right, but, so but when... in saying that. Yeah, like, well. and this is where like when we talk about backyard breeders like this is pretty much like <laughs> the definition of like yeah and like ooh. even but then we ended up with Adira on my like March 23rd like the day before lockdown and then a couple of months later we got another backyard bred dog Sunny the buff collie that we've ended up inheriting so we, in the space of like three months we ended up having Adira the deaf and blind pup and then Sunny the the um the rough collie that was going to get euthanized because of just so fearful and she just hates men and just super reactive towards men and whatnot and then, again that a lot of that's down the backyard breeding i think so before we started recording we were laughing because dodge was up on my lap giving me snogs and like <laughs> having love and then your collie was literally like back turned to you just look of disdain that you are in all right now <laughs> we do i do think there's a few things going wrong up there she's a bit like simple sometimes she'll sometimes just stare at a wall and just, i'll stare here for a while less up there but she's like you see her there she's just did either that or she sees dead people one of the two yeah one of the two so now she's actually facing me but you know you've got it's a very fine line between happy eyes and murder eyes we say i like is she gonna be happy with me today or is she gonna murder me <laughs> But no, to be fair, like it's always been happy for the last couple of months, which has been really good with me, like since two months in. But it's it's been and let's kind of talk about introducing kind of rescue dogs that I call it. They they come with baggage. It takes them a while to unpack the luggage. It's not like they turn up and in a day they're fine. Like because the first month yeah. we had Dodge, every time my husband walked in the room, he got shepherded like. Dale was like, what is this small furry thing that keeps shouting at me that you've bought in the house? And I was like, he'll be lovely soon. I'm still yeah. waiting for that to happen, but you know. <laughs> yeah, what does soon mean? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> soon. It's a piece yeah. of string, isn't it? <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. But then, like you say, like bringing rescue dogs, especially when you've got dogs as well in the house. So like we, we had Tori and Poodle like already in the home. Um, and we knew Tori would just be indifferent. She'd be like, oh, when's this thing leaving? Like, she just doesn't care about anything but a tennis ball or a toy. She's a typical collie. Give her something to do. Nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. Poodle, on the other hand, has always had a bit of an issue with other dogs. He's always been a bit stiff. Like, when he greets or when dogs come rushing over to him, he, like, gets so stiff. He's, like, bouncing on his tippy toes, like, vibrating. It's like he just doesn't know what to do. And he's been like that since since day dot since hannah got him pretty much he was always like she i think i could be wrong again but i'm pretty sure she told me that she was doing a puppy class just as she'd got poodle and so poodle was in the puppy class with her as she was teaching it 
And he was the only puppy out of all of them just nailing all the other pups. And she was there trying to teach the class with her little poodle on lead because he was like, I want to kill you, I want to kill you, I want to kill you. And nothing really's changed, you know. So <laughs> whenever he meets another dog, he's a bit like, I will kill you. He's a typical bully, like not in the sense of a bully breed, but he's very bully-like. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, like he meets he wants a dog to that... intimidate and like... If he can. So for, like if he can't, like if a dog comes over and flops over wiggly, he'll nail the dog. Whereas oh, wow. if it's a dog that... If it's a dog that means business, he's like, okay, I'm just going to pretend I'm doing something else over here. You know, like I remember um, when we've met, when um, oh, he's met a few dogs and he's just like, okay, yeah, no, don't worry about that one. <laughs> you know how dogs just look away. It's like, yeah, I don't know if that one's there. Like he really just, if he knows that he can take advantage of a dog, he's mm -hmm. very much like, and so that was the biggest challenge when we, saying that it wasn't really big, like with Poodle, it wasn't that big of a challenge with Adira. He can, like some dogs he just really, really likes and some dogs he just really doesn't like. But we just I think that's there. a really important thing to touch on because there's this real kind of, I'm blame, I blame Disney for a lot, but Disney yeah. dogs, like people have this whole like, oh, I'm going to get a Disney dog. And I'm like, but that's not the world. And like people just mm. expect their dog to be friendly with everyone or if they are fortunate to have a friendly dog, they expect every other dog to be friendly because their dog's friendly. And it's like, that's not the reality. Like I am so mindful about what dogs, all of my dogs interact with, not just Dodge and Munch, who obviously, you know, Munch being bull breed, Dodge being shepherd, like I'm careful because I don't want them to flatten anything. But even with the Chihuahuas, like, I have to be mindful because they like tag team. So they will like, if something's pissed them off or upset them, I've watched them chase a German shepherd across a park before because this German shepherd came bowling in and went, sup? And the chihuahuas went, you're not a chihuahua. F up. Yeah. And this poor shepherd was like, oh my God. And it's running and the chihuahuas were chasing. And I was like, ah, oh, nuts. Chihuahuas. Like crazy. Luckily they recalled off. And then the shepherd person's giving me daggers. And I was like, to be fair, your dog did just run over. Like, and I think they thought it was going to be funny that their big dog had come over and yeah. my dogs were going to kind of back off. And the chihuahuas, like, there's too much sass in that tiny package. Like, if Poodle went stiff on them, they'd both go, Oi, who are you being stiff at? And he'd probably be like, Oh my God, they're going to eat me. They're tiny and horrible. <laughs> he would. But yeah, I think that's a good point because I think everyone, they've got this, like, I always say it's like the American dream, you know, like back when in America, when they went out west, there's like, oh, we're going to get land, we're going to make money, it's just the American dream, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's like the dog, you know, you see like Marley, Marley Meat's probably not a good example. Oh my God, you know, I can't even watch the film. I read the book, cried so much. I've never, ever watched the film because the book traumatised me so much, like. Yeah, that's a very sad one, but that was a terrible example, actually. <laughs> like, like Lassie and Rin Tin Tin and these amazing dogs, and like Max, I think that one with the Malinois, and where yeah. you've got these well, probably a terrible example. <laughs> trying to eat everyone, but like you have this to idea. To be fair, that, though, it's a Mali, so it is kind of like real world. <laughs> so it's like you have this idea that these dogs can be great regardless of the background. And also, another thing that I don't, don't think helps is you know, like the dodo and whatnot. Mm -hmm. that and um, where they share videos where they go and rescue this dog that's been severely really abused and then it becomes an amazing dog 
that's like a one in a million that that's probably happened with. They've probably got so much footage where it's like, oh God, this dog's too aggressive, let's put it down, that you never see, mm-hmm. you know? That, that's what I genuinely think. Yeah. And so when you come online and you see that, you're like, oh, every dog can be a great dog. And again, it's just not the case. And um, and when, and like, it's like, what, what was it? Like, you've got the dog social, the dog selective, the dog tolerant, and the dog aggressive. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's something like only between 10 and 20% roughly are the dog friendly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and when people like come to us and ask for help, they'll be like, oh, I just want a normal dog like the dogs you see at the park. It's like, no, no, no. They're not your normal dogs. They're not the dog that, like, all the other dogs are at home because they can't go to the park because they'll get in fights. <laughs> you know? Yeah. they're not all like that, I promise you yeah and I think as well like because for me um using Dodge as the as the kind of big example like my goal with Dodge is sport dog like I want to compete with him that's what we're doing which is why I ended up with a working type dog that wants a job to do going to the park and him playing with other dogs just it's just not a thing in our world like it's not something I really want him to do anyway. I mean, there's a few dogs at training he plays with. Um, he's got his girlfriend, Emily, who's a Malinois, who is just the love of his life forever, um, who he's yeah. seeing at the weekend. And they play really appropriately together. And actually, when I watch him play, like when people are like, oh, has anyone got any videos of really nice dog play? I'm like, yeah, look at this. He's play bowing. He does this pathetic yip that like, even the chihuahuas look him like, what was that noise, dude? Like, it's this proper, like, girly little beep when he's trying to play. He adjusts his, like, pace. He adjusts his size. One of his best friends, a tiny little Springer, who he has to be really careful with. And they wrestle each other and they're tooth fighting. And people would see that and go, oh, he's friendly. No, he's friendly with that dog. And it's very different. Yeah, and I think that's another that well, like most people expect, like we we simplify dogs so much that like oh the dog's friendly with that one, therefore my dog is friendly. Yes. You know that's a massive oversimplification. It's like oh so you like that person, therefore you must like this person. I'm going to introduce you to. It's like that's not very logical. So if we like, yeah. we're very similar to. I know like you shouldn't anthropomorphize. Well done. I know I got that right. I was like, well, I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back. <laughs> but um I've lost my chain of thought now. Uh he's oh, sorry. word, he's broken. <laughs> <laughs> but we are quite similar in a lot of respects. Obviously, we're vastly different in, in other respects, but like you know, we're both social species mm. and we're both selectively social, I'd say. So for instance, I've got a, a and as we get older, we become less social. Yeah, which oh, especially you know, during lockdown. Most- Exactly. You know what? I didn't lockdown hasn't impacted me at all. I'm like, right, that's great. I don't have to pretend I want to go and see people now. <laughs> that's how antisocial I am. <laughs> I want to disagree with you, but part of me is like, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I think is very like with dogs. It's like if you just accept that, yeah, they might get on with a few other dogs, and that's not what they want out of life in as everything so for mm-hmm. instance you know like if i only went to the pub at some point i'd be like oh come on, there's got to be something else i can do yeah you know same with dogs if they're just constantly going to the dog park and you've got a working type dog there's so many other things that that dog's probably going to want to do even more yeah and yeah. that will be 
beneficial for them. Yeah. And so, like, like if you want to go and have little play dates, that's not an issue, you know. But just make sure that that's just not taking over your dog's life. I'd say. Yeah. In general. And there are like nose work you can do, and if you got like, like Hoopers, for example, you know, there you go. Oh, dogs. Perfect. Yeah, and again, like that is like it's like agility, but every dog can do it, and there's no like you don't have to be a certain age, you don't have to be a certain breed, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's just and like with dogs, give them something to do, give them something to aim for and achieve, and I think that will make them feel more content, and that's one of the things that we go in to a lot of our clients is making sure that in terms of the enrichment that we're meeting their needs as best we can. And also about building confidence as well, because like, um, so the weekend, a friend of mine's just got a Mali puppy and she brought it over to my training venue because we've got cows and geese and there's horses and there's a pond full of ducks and there's a gobby shepherd. So she was like, oh, I'll bring it over. Oh my God, this puppy. So we like had her going through the tunnel and... I want to say round the barrel, she did attack one of the barrels, which was hilarious. They're like fabric. And obviously it's a Mallee. Um, yeah. And like she went for it. She was cool with that. And then I'd like thrown, the, I'd stupidly thrown the toy out. I'd let go of the toy. And then she'd like grab the toy and then she dropped it and she turned and looked at me. And I was like, Oh, nuts. You've never seen someone take a treat pouch off so quickly in their life. Literally got the treat pouch into her mouth just before she sunk into my leg. I was like, (gasps) and this is like a nine week puppy, but we've been doing like this confidence stuff with her. And then she just got a bit excited and she was like, I need to bite. And I was like, oh, nuts. I don't have something to retread on. That's really funny you said that. It reminded me of like, that reminded me, I don't know if you've, like N- Nando was in uh, New Zealand. He was telling us a story when he got his young Mally and he was in the train, he was in a training class. And I think uh, Fizz was just getting so aroused that they would just, I think I remember correctly, they were just standing still and then she just redirected and turned around and bit him on his inside of his leg. And he was like the dog trainer in a puppy class, being like, oh, someone help me get this fucking dog off my leg. <laughs> like that's just, um, and again, that's something that like a lot of owners would be like, they wouldn't, and that comes down to genetics, right? And like mm-hmm. the type of dog you've got, you know, you're probably not going to have a Labrador that's going to do that. You know, you might do, or it might just mouth your arm and want to go they and take They tend to stuff. be like, yeah, they tend to hold your hand and take you places. Yeah. Like, come there's, this way with me. There's very different intentions. And I think yeah. that's another thing with, with uh, dogs, especially, is that you, you, we do need to take in consideration genetics and like the idea that if you raise every dog the same and do all the work that you're going to have, the the ideal dog is just not true you know no, like they're, they're all their own little they're all their own little personalities as well and they have different personality types and like definitely. also just like you know we could get really geeky and even just things like the position of the puppies within the womb and how much testosterone they've got because if you have a litter of boys and then there's one single bitch her testosterone levels are going to be like mental <laughs> And likewise, yeah. if you've got a whole litter of girls and then there's a single boy in there, his testosterone may be lower. So there's so many other factors. And like going back to Vera again, like the fact that she was bred clearly with like looks in mind, it the fact that she's so resilient really is amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And, and me and Hannah talk about this. And I think... 
Yeah, I think it was lucky with her. I don't think we have that much to do with it, mm-hmm. if I'm being totally Probably there's a little bit, so we probably built up a confidence and stuff. We're not putting her in situations where she's going to be like overwhelmed. Actually saying that, I remember the first time we took her out after lockdown <clears throat> and dogs came rushing over. I think I actually got a, rec- a video of it. It was a Samoyed. And luckily the Samoyed was beautiful with their social skills. And mm-hmm. um, Vera just froze and sunk, like literally just like, oh, I'm a little worm, please don't hurt me. And then, but the Samoyed was great. The Samoyed was like, oh yeah, cool, I'll see you later. And then again, I think I just say, look, I'm here. We call her baby dog, by the way, if I call her baby rather than. Oh, I love that though. As little, she's baby dog. It's just you know when you get a dog, and we didn't name her Adira. That's just the name she came with. And I always like rename dogs pretty much. I'm like, oh, she looks like a baby, like Poodle's not called Poodle really. His name's Forrest, but we call him Poodle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna ask you that, but I didn't want to be rude. I was like, did you actually Poodle Poodle? Because that's hilarious. Because. Like, my friend's dog is actually called Dog. And I was like, what? Like, from Walking Dead? Because that's what Daryl's dog is called in Walking Dead. And she went, oh, no, my husband just decided to call him Dog. I was like, oh, okay. It's funny, like, we just start, like, and some of the dogs we've just been fostering or looked after, like, we always give them, like, uh, Meatball was one of them. We call Keymine Meatball. Uh, and like Stella, we just call her the fucking crazy bitches and stuff like that. Like she's just the mental one or something like that. That's probably not the one you want to be. But yeah, they all just and like, <laughs> come here, mental bitch. <laughs> you, you could try. But, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say if you come over to like if you come over to London, don't do that. Alright, like don't stand in the middle of London going crazy bitch because th- things are going down if that happens. Like, but yeah, and we always we always end up giving them crazy pet names. Like um, Dodge, Dodge will always be the puppy, the biggest freaking yeah. dog in my house, but he's still the puppy because, well, he's the puppy. Yeah, worth six kilos of it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, baby dog. She's no longer a baby, but you know, just baby dog. Bless her. So. With introducing them like into the house, obviously you you knew that Forrest was potentially going to get a bit stiff and a bit worried, but did you do it gradually with lots of control and management or did you just sort of monitor closely? Because I think bringing puppies home is slightly different and knowing old dogs, because people have this thing as well that they bring a puppy in the house and just kind of let it loose on the older dog, which... Like, it's like giving a teenager, like a 16-year-old, a toddler to look after and go, here, have this. Like, it's not ideal. No, yeah. Well, exactly. So what we were were very, we were kind of lucky in the sense that Adira couldn't see or hear. We didn't have that crazy rushing over and annoying behaviour. Because. Right. (laughs) She can't, right? She's just like, so what's really good at? She's really good at, like, she's got her head is like a rock. If she hits something, she's like, oh, I don't care. But she's got a very good mental map. After about a day or two, she knows exactly where everything is. Like, she, like, we try and keep our furniture the same the whole time. So she's, like, used to it and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so, like, she knows pretty much our whole house, where to go. Like, she very rarely bumps into anything. But what we did do is we, we kept Poodle on a lead when the, when she was around and we did just counter conditioning. And I think this is like a huge thing that most owners probably don't grasp as well as us dog trainers is that, you know, management is such a huge part of dog training. 
You know, it's just, you can't really train your dog without managing them first, in my opinion. You know, because if, like, for instance, with Poodle, if we didn't manage him, he'd just be a nightmare. Taz has frozen, which is really unhelpful. Hopefully, he'll be back momentarily. Okay, we're back. Right, technical glitch. This is why recording internationally is always fun because these things happen. Um, you were talking about Poodle being on a lead when introducing Puppy. Yes. So when Adira came, we had a Poodle on a lead, and what? Um, what? So basically, what? we did was because like there's been a lot of training with poodle and tori so like the history of reinforcement around us is very strong so mm -hmm. we could control control for lack of a better word like poodle's behavior <clears throat> um so he wasn't rushing over and whatnot so we mm -hmm. could just be like wait do all this do all that but he was still very stiff so he was able to cope and behave in a way we wanted him to behave but he was just like who the fuck is that like he, like, <laughs> he wasn't ready wasn't yeah. ready to go and say hello so we didn't let him say hello basically and and i think that's another thing that um we try and instill with our clients is that like if your dog's lunging and pulling at other dogs so first before you let them meet you want to desensitize them to the dog right mm -hmm. so they're less so like hyper aroused by that stimulus because that is a recipe for disaster yep. and so for the first maybe three days if adira walked past we would let poodle go and have a sniff of the bum and then we would mark that and reinforce and we'd walk away Mm -hmm. And we, we basically did a few things like that. And then what we started to see was Poodle's stiff body language started to relax a little bit. Um, and Adira has been great with dogs since day dot. So whenever she meets another dog, she kind of just goes like that and just freezes. And so they can have a sniff. And then Aww. after about three days, Poodle had, so Poodle, once he gets like over his kind of like real stiff and whatnot, he will generally start to initiate play, but he's quite rough. So he still he still needs help. So if we see him getting a bit around, we're like, that's enough, mate, come on. He's like, oh, okay. But luckily, there was a time where, because deer is quite rough when she plays as well. And then she does this play bow, which is the cutest thing ever, where she slams her feet on the floor. And then it's like her feet start vibrating. She goes, like, on oh. the floor. Like that. And then, like, she will slam into them and whatnot. And recently, she's just started doing this thing we call butter. You know, you've seen it probably where dogs just like swing their butts and just smash dogs in the face and swing her at butt again. And whatnot. The shepherd plays that game. Yep. It's the funniest thing. And so, after three days, they were playing. But, but even then, we didn't want it to just be a free for all. We wanted yeah. them to be able to just remain calm around each other as well. And mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that a lot of owners will make the mistake of is when they get a new dog, they just let them fucking go to town when they meet and they play, play. It's really cute for the first couple of days. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, are they going to stop? Yeah. And then like a month later, they're like, oh my God, they're like nonstop wrestling it when we're trying to watch TV. It's like, yeah. because they've got that habit. And so what yeah. we tried to do- Because you told them they could. <laughs> oh, exactly. You allowed them to do it. So they're going to keep doing it and doing it again. So we tried to make a rule around 8 p.m when we'd had our dinner and stuff that, and we wanted to do stuff, they couldn't play. Mm -hmm. So Poodle, we'd just put on his bed and Adira, we would have her, we had to actually do some crate training because she wasn't really keen on a crate. And so we, we periodically feed her food in a crate. Um, and then she'd just start snoozing. And once she got settled in after about three, three months-ish, she was pretty sweet from then on, just snoozed a lot of the time. Um, and they've been, uh, they had a bit of a hiccup. So when we moved 
here they had a little bit of a lover's tiff we called it whereby <laughs> i think when we moved here i could be completely just confabulating it that adira started getting a bit more predatory and hunty because of all these new smells we'd got sheep we'd got cows these skinks were everywhere which are little lizards and she just started hunting pretty much and she does have a tendency to resource guard things that she really really wants so like if okay. there's food you have to be a bit careful and i do think that's something to do with her inability to be able to kind of like warn other dogs because she can't see them so she'll yeah, only know also she can't necessarily perceive exactly how near or far a threat is because she can't see or hear them so it's not like she can it's not like daredevil where she can like do some like sonar thing like she yeah. doesn't have either of those options so a lot of it must be kind of she must be quite um touch sensitive and quite sort of tactile yeah if someone brushes past all vibrations so, and that's another thing yeah. that we think might have like caused her a little bit more stress is in our old place we had concrete floor so she couldn't feel anything and this place it's like just just wooden flooring so she can feel vibrations be a, lot. a lot of vibrations and stuff okay yeah, exactly and and sometimes we'll even see like if she's in a specific like we like hot zones if there's been food in an area and we've moved it but then like she's still there for like 20 30 minutes that's her hot zone so we know like all right don't let any dogs go near her because she's still a little bit tense and even then she might i don't know why she's doing it she'll just suddenly go whoa, 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 whoa. like she'll spin around and be like kind of like whoa, 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 whoa. like having a go at no one and it's kind of like, it's kind of funny but you're like oh so we do have to be a bit careful and we did resort to like heavy management because you know like we some things you can just manage and they they go away and that's yeah, pretty yeah. much what you know so with that we didn't try and do any counting condition or anything like that we had too much to do so we just managed it heavily reintroduced them slowly and now like we very rarely see the the behavior it's very rarely an issue yeah um and that was just purely through but also i guess as well with you moving like obviously massive like massive stress for everyone because moving is super stressful so I'm not surprised you ended up with a bit of a discussion. We call them discussions in our house. They have discussions. Um, and actually in our household, it's generally the chihuahuas because they're mum and daughter. If there's right. going to be a discussion, it's <laughs> it always involves minks, always. Um, and it's generally either minks and chica or minks and munch, actually. Like I remember one day... Um, I'd bought the little one's antlers and I'd bought Munch a buffalo horn because I was like, well, I'm not buying a buffalo horn for the chihuahuas because it's the same size as them. And yeah. Munch had like gone to get a drink and Minx had gone, oh, this smells good. I'm not going to like smell like a freaking dairy. It's rank. I was like, right, mental note, never, ever buy this again. It stinks. It's disgusting. And Minx went, mm, what's this? And Munch obviously went, well, actually, that's mine. Minx went back at her and I was like, are you stupid? What are you doing? Yeah. Trying yeah. to resource guard a buffalo horn that's the same size as you against a bull breed that's three times the weight of you. Like, you fucking lunatic. That's so that went bad. in the bin and they've never had a buffalo horn since. Yeah, yeah fair enough. So that's my control and management. We just don't have that in the house now. Like, yeah. and I think, again, a lot of people like, don't understand that things like toys and stuff can become really important and kind of dogs guarding stuff people are like 
Oh, you know, it's natural. Like anyone that has siblings, I've got two big brothers. I resource grab my dinner at family meals because I know them feckers are going to try and nick a like roasty off my plate. Like, yeah. I can right. stab someone with a fork. That's like funny. That's like me and Hannah. Like I eat my, I like just shovel it down. Like it's gone within seconds, and then I'm just staring at Hannah's food. <laughs> she's like, "You better stop doing that." And she's like eating it yeah. like this. And then she sometimes will consume it just because she doesn't want me to have it. And then she'll be like, oh, I'm so full. I was like, well, why don't you give it to me? She's like, no, can't do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to reinforce your staring. Exactly. And I get furious. And then I'm like, right, I'm off. See you later. So maybe we should analyse that behaviour and work out a training plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As trainers, you can look at scenarios like that and you can pick out the resource guarding. You can pick out like the trigger stacking and all the stuff we talk about in dogs. We see in people as well, which I think is why we we sometimes do cross the line in humanizing dogs because there are massive similarities. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like you go and try and take someone's phone off them, see what happens. <laughs> You're going to get punched potentially, right? Yeah. And, and I think, but again, it goes back to uh, like the expectations we have of dogs. It's like we expect them to be able to share everything. And, and I always say like, when you bring a new dog into the house, it's like a flatmate. They're flatmates, right? They, they don't potentially have any choice in the matter. And yeah. so if make them like always be around each other, you're going to get conflict potentially, right? And, and a lot of the time, conflict between dogs can start off very subtly. Mm. You know, like the amount of time, we only get contacted when it hits the fan, shit hits the fan, right? Yeah. But then you get the history and you're like, okay, well, if you'd have contacted me like months ago, we would resolve this. Yeah. You know? And what we do with Alfor is we, we've got like, so we've got a little sleep out. So Sunny's in here with me at the moment. Poodle, Tori's probably taking herself into the bedroom. And Poodle and Adira are probably on the sofas, but we give them so many opportunities to leave and go to their own space. Yeah. You know, and, and like with feeding time, I always, we always feed them pretty separate because I, I, what we've noticed is if we feed them and they can see each other, they all seem a little bit more tense. And I just think if we feed them separately, they're going to, that kind of um, like stress is going to be reduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, um, we have feeding stations. So I'm really lucky. The new house we've moved into is um, because when Dodge was a puppy at the old house, um, the bigger dogs were fed in the utility room. They all had their little like spots where they would eat. And if you put the wrong bowl in the wrong station, like all hell breaks loose because <laughs> there's like designated feeders. Puppy was fed either in the hallway or the living room with a door shut between them because I didn't need the puppy messing with the older dogs. And likewise, I didn't want the older dogs pushing the puppy off of his food because the last thing I need is a guardy shepherd. Like, it's not a thing. Here, we've got quite a big kitchen with a big island in the middle. And they're almost fed, like, in the corners with the island, like, in between. And they've all got their, like, designated areas. But at mealtimes, either me or hubby are present when they are eating like i wouldn't just put their food down and leave the room i'm still there monitoring because the freaking chihuahuas will try and steal the other dog's food especially 
little chuckers gets called fatty girl chuckers because she will steal food at any opportunity she can like that dog has scaled she's jumped three foot from a chair to a table to steal chocolate like she's some ninja chihuahua <laughs> right it was one of those moments where like part of me was like really really pissed off with her and part of me was actually really proud at the tenacity oh, yeah. and like I can't believe you fecking did that. Like literally a three foot jump, four foot in the air to get to chocolate. Like she cray cray. Um, it's funny when... you say that. Sorry, just to jump in. Funny how like, for instance, most owners would see that as a really bad behavior, you know, and like, and whatnot. But for instance, with Sunny, the first time she counter surfed, we were like, oh, look, she's confident enough to do that. And we were proud of her. We we're like, oh, well, and it's just, and it's not, if she keeps counter surfing, we just have to be a bit tidier and clean up our fucking mess, right? And then it will stop. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so good. When people are like, how do I stop my dog counter surfing? I'm like, take the shit off the side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if there's nothing up there reinforcing, it won't happen. You know, like, you hear all these like mental methods I've had, like, I'll put tin foil on the side. So you're just putting more shit on the side. No, just take everything off. If there isn't reinforcement, guess what? The behavior won't happen. Unless, um, so actually, uh, I'm not going to mention their names. So I don't want to get in trouble. But one of my <laughs> most favorite trainers, one of their dogs count themselves. And the reason why he used to do it is so that he could look out the window. So you'd pull up at the house and there would be a pointy dog on the kitchen side, looking out the window by the sink. And it was just so he could be noisy. And I was like, does that bother you? He was like, no, he's only doing it to look out the window. <laughs> but can you imagine, like some owners would be like mortified and we're like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's fine. But I remember um, the first time because we've got quite a big garden as well. So I was like, it was the summer, it was a nice day. I'd got them bones. So I was like, oh, all the dogs can have bones outside. Can't deal with raw bones in the house. Like, I'm veggie, I just can't deal with that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so they've got their bones outside and obviously we're out there monitoring and little fatty chuckers, I, she's like a freaking python. I've had to literally grab the end of a trachea and pull it back out of her her trachea to stop her swallowing it whole because she's like i must consume and i'm like that, that's a beef trachea you shouldn't be able to swallow that whole what the fuck? <laughs> like i tell you it's mental so she's like got a lamb rib or like an appropriate size bone for her and i think she'd either finished it or she spotted that dodge had something and she went to walk towards him and she's kind of, she's the mama dog in the house because she's literally the mama. She's Chinks, she's Minx's mum and we got Munch at, I think Munch was only about six weeks when we got her. Like she was way too young to be away. Yeah. So Chica kind of took her on as well. So Chica was very much the mama dog. And she went to strut towards Dodge and he just like pounced and growled. And I was like, nope and she, i mean to be fair chica backed the fuck up very quickly but i was like oh my god and it's the first time dodge had ever gone mine and i was like okay so in future we either have to have bones one at a time or dodge has to be outside and the girls have to be in a different area like i cannot have the girls 
but you know that there are owners out there that would just go oh look that's funny and just ignore that completely and would then a couple of weeks later do exactly the same setup with all the dogs just loose on a free-for-all all with bones and then wonder why there's a massive punch up yeah i think that that one of the things i say like it, it's like it's 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 okay until it's not mm. you know and so like nine times out of ten things are going to be okay if we just like let them go but then the one time it's not okay the consequences can be severe you know and so is it worth chancing it you know nope. and like management is like they're gonna have bones just and I think that it used to be more of an ego thing for trainers, right? Those videos where you'd see like 10 dogs all with a bone next to each other. And be like, look at me, how control, like how- just, Why? Control. Like, why would you put them in that situation? <laughs> and I think that's what they, that's a good thing about like where we're heading with dog training. That we're starting to learn that that's not actually that impressive anymore. And, you know, like we, we, we're understanding like their emotions a lot more and we're understanding just- in general right we're, we're advancing so we're we're all getting better at what we do and so these things are start suddenly becoming a thing of the past and now it's just like why are you doing that is there any reason why you're doing that is it oh not really <laughs> it's just to look good it's okay well like just don't worry about it anymore <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah I, oh, I can i can take my dog's food away while he's eating why mm. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. like, that was when it all like oh i can approach my dog when it's eating like why i mean obviously you know if like you should be able to just be walking around the kitchen while your dog's eating without getting your leg nailed. But if your dog is that stressed around food, here's a thought, put them in their own room, shut the door, let them eat, and then let them out when they're finished. Like, but again, that goes back to management, isn't it? And I think a lot of people really kind of underestimate how much management helps training because if you're not managing situations and you're not trying to control situations it it just makes the journey longer because everything's unpredictable and i mean the second you step outside the house it's unpredictable but when you're in kind of the house zone like that should be as safe and predictable as your dog as possible and that should be where they feel comfortable and they can just relax and chill and like I remember the first month of having Dodge, like, I'm not gonna lie, his loose sleep walking is still not great. And I had people, oh, you know, like, even hubby was like, oh, you need to teach him to walk on leap properly. You need to teach him this. His recall was good. And do you know what? He slept overnight. He was cleaning the house and he was chilled out in the house. And to me, him being chilled in the house for 22 hours a day is much more of a priority than the, 10 15 minutes he's on a lead yeah and like loosely walking is one of the funny ones isn't it it's not overly hard but it's it's like you have to remember if you want to do it like because again i haven't got like i don't really care how nice the dogs are walking next to me it's not really a priority of mine if they're pulling me a bit i just don't care and, <laughs> and so like i just don't care right you know like, like we've just got a record say our dogs pull on the lead and we don't care <gasps> It's not, as long as they're not like yanking my arm off, right? And then yeah, whatnot. <laughs> I don't really care. And, and, and I think like loosely walking, it's not, it's not hard, but it's hard in the fact that you have to remember that if they get to pull at any moment while you're walking with them, that's intermittent reinforcement, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, oh, for fuck's sake. So what we generally do with our clients that really, really want a solid um, 
loose fringe ball is we just tell them, all right, well, why don't you get a specific harness mm-hmm. and you're actually ready to train because it's not going to be a quick fix like that. Um, then have them on that harness. So over time, so for instance, if you need to quickly go into the car and you know your dog's a prolific puller, don't put them on the harness that you're teaching them to walk nicely on. Put them on the old harness or whatever you're doing with them. Yeah, and then yeah. when you've got 20 minutes where you're like, right, fuck it, I'm going to do my training, put them on that harness. And then gradually you'll get the kind of like the C&I dog, like building of associations where when that harness goes on, they're working. Yeah, and yeah. that's what people to do if they really, really, really care about the loose league walking. So one thing, talking about kit as well, that um, I've been messing around with recently with Dodge, I've just um, I've just got him on like the backpack style harnesses um, with a little bit of weight on it. And I got it for him for conditioning stuff because I was like, right, so if we add a bit of weight to his walk, I can get the same physical workout for him in less time which means we're out in the world for less time which means there's less triggers which means it's less stressful so a weighted backpack is potentially kind of going to get the conditioning side of things that I need for the exercise but also it reduces the amount of time we need to be in the world so it's a bit of a win-win but the kind of thing I'm discovering is he appears to be and there's obviously no science. This is just me with observations of my own dog. But he's actually being less of a twat when he's wearing the weighted harness. Um, and I sort of, I asked in one of um, the, in the Ace Connections group on Facebook, I don't know if you're on it. It's run by Sarah Fisher, who does all the tea touch stuff. And I just sort of like, you know, went in the group and kind of stuck my head above the parapet and was like, I might get crucified for saying I'm putting a weighted backpack on my dog here, but let's see what happens. And do you know what? The response I got was really interesting. A lot of people were saying like, maybe it acts a little bit like a thunder shirt or like a T-touch wrapping that because it's got lots of straps and it's a little bit like one of the anti-escape harnesses. So it's got the normal strap and then it's got the strap that goes behind the rib cage as well. So it's quite long in the body and it kind of surrounds him. So does it have that kind of swaddling effect, which might help him? But also they were like, oh, I wonder if it works like a weighted blanket. Mm, And that hadn't even like occurred to me. And as I say, there's no science. But at the moment, he's got about two kilos in there. I think I weighed out two kilos, which for a 36 kilo dog is really not a lot of weight. But I wanted it to kind of, it's enough that he knows he's wearing his harness and it's there. But I've been using it as well. Like, he's interesting. If I attach him to, like, my canny belt and that lead, he knows to go in front and pull a little bit. And I don't mean, like, a steam train, but shape temper this year. If I've got that engine attached to me, there's going to be botherings, I'm telling you, because he's like, go, go, juice. I'm like, woohoo, I can go quicker with this on me. But if I have him on his normal lead and we're just going for a mooch walk, he's like oh, okay, I'm just going to sniff and chill and walk and do whatever. And it's really interesting that just the setup I'm wearing has an effect on how he's walking on that harness. Yeah, no, I, I'd imagine that you probably, because uh, probably some truth to that as well. I'd imagine, like, obviously, like we say, there's no science, we can't prove it, but it wouldn't surprise me if it has a similar effect to the weighted blanket. Uh, <clears throat> are you putting like a liter of water in one side a liter of water in the other side or something no like that? so the way i've done it um because hubby's a builder <laughs> and i have right. access to randomness 
You know the lead you get on roofing? The, the what, sorry? The... Like lead roofing, like the lead flashing you get on roofs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had some of that out the back that had been ripped off of something that he was going to weigh in at scrap. And I went, oh, because oh. I was going to buy like ankle weights like you use for right. running. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, there's lead in the garden. And the good thing about the flashing is it's really soft. So mm. I've actually hammered it out so it's lovely and flat and no sharp edges, weighed it, and I've just slid these two little skinny weights either side. So they sit, so they're not moving. They're sitting really close and tight to him so it's not wobbling or anything. Some people have said about using um, like ball bearings for like BB guns. <laughs> All right, yeah, like to kind of like weigh it down evenly. Yeah, that's that's yeah. apparently another way of doing it because I'm... The thing that kind of, I know some people use them for like carrying water and stuff. The thing for me is when he's moving and when he's got a trot on, the water's potentially going to be. Yeah, a bit swishy swashy. I guess. Blushing around a bit, which he probably wouldn't give a damn about. But some dogs I think could be a bit spooky. So I literally have like literal lead weights in his harness. Yeah, that, like you're putting lead in your dog's backpack. Yeah, yeah, weigh him down. That, that'll stop him lunging and reacting. Weigh it down and then he can't do it. If he's reacting, just put a bit more weight in there. That will. <laughs> he ends That's up with like that. 10 kilos either side. Like, Yeah, well, that would, I'd imagine that would give him a bit of a workout. I guess it's just like us going for a walk and then just having a bit of a, like a five kilo backpack on or something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. that. That was my theory of it from the fitness point. But actually, I think as well with... Being a shepherd and kind of when, like, I talk about getting him into work mode, because when he's working, like, at a competition the other week, you know, if I'd said, if we'd gone to the park and there'd been eight other dogs in the park, that would have been too much for him and he would have had a nightmare. Get to a competition, there's eight other dogs. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Because he's working and he's like, right, I've got my job, I'm doing it. And I think for him, having that weight in the backpack, he goes into work mode which stops yeah. him being a complete knob because he's mm -hmm. thinking about doing a job. So I think there's kind of a few layers with it. And I know like you work with quite a few vocal dogs. <laughs> yeah. Dogs with big feelings. Dogs with, I like that. Dogs with big feelings. That sounds good. Because you did the whole um, ignore my dog. He's a bit of a twat, which I still mm. need one of those t-shirts, dude. <laughs> So, so what was the whole ignore your dog thing are you guys still doing that or is that kind of gone on the wayside or we are doing it um it, it's um we've had to change a few platforms like where we're, we're we're selling it basically because we're just trying to find the right kind of like way to do it so uh, the previous the first way we did it we had to like order in a load of stock and then just have it like stored somewhere and then when people would order it we'd have to send it out or we might not have it in stock and we're like oh sorry we've got to wait another couple of months to put a big order in and stuff and then we changed platforms so people could literally just like click i want that i want that and then it gets made on site somewhere and sent out but then that wasn't working very well and we've just recently changed it again to a, a shopify platform and we just yeah. we've got someone helping us out with that um who who's doing a really good job who's taken over the like the the web uh, the facebook page and whatnot um elizabeth ingles in america okay. just if anyone 
she's a, she's a dog trainer and behaviorist. Um, and uh, yeah, so the way that started was, like we obviously we work with quite a few dogs and dogs are like we said with big feelings and when we go go and like meet these dogs like obviously the first thing we want we want to do is not really kind of trigger them so a lot of what you're doing is just talking to the owners and getting information and inadvertently you're ignoring the dog mm. and that's what they need in that situation and I think when we were talking about it, I was like walking towards the gym and I was on the phone to Hannah and I was just like we'd worked with a dog I can't remember which dog it was but it was the reactive dog and whatnot and um I was like oh yeah so if everyone just ignored their dog or like these dogs out in public a bit more we'd fucking like get somewhere and yeah. so I said oh yeah we, it, almost like we need a, a dog training t-shirt that says like ignore my dog he's a bit of a twat sometimes ha 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 I went to the gym come out and then Hannah had like designed all these t-shirts and whatnot and then we I think we launched that the page maybe like that week and whatnot and then we we just just did it from there and uh it it went well when we yeah and, I th and the message is good i think it's more of a kind of like, like an educational campaign um to get people on board and just try and reduce kind of like the issues that we face in the in the world with dogs like the reactivity the aggression the all the things that could be like i guess prevented a bit more if we we understood a little bit more but again like going back to the example you used earlier of like what would you do if someone tries to take your phone like you yeah. don't go up to someone's street and go oh, mate is that the new iphone let's have a look but when yeah. you've got a dog people just go to swarm at your dog and like one of the things with dodge if people just talk to me and completely ignore him he's all right he's cool but if someone approaches him and it's the stare at him stick their hand towards him and make a kissy noise that's like <laughs> that's just triple threat in dodge's world and he's like and now you need to die and he's much worse around me as well because he's quite protective of me shepherd you know he's he's less protective of hubby which is kind of good <laughs> and it's it's good for my ego i'm not gonna lie i'm like he loves me more but also i think he's like yeah dad's got this whereas he's like oh my god i need to protect the mama um, and it's probably because I'm like a hyperventilating mess because I'm trying to like control stuff and panic. Whereas Hubby's like, ah, he'll be fine. And just walks like through the peoples. And I'm there like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to calm myself. But I think sometimes as well as trainers, because we can kind of, you sort of feel like a soothsayer that you can predict what is possibly going to happen in a situation. Mm -hmm. And you become hypervigilant. And I think sometimes because owners aren't hypervigilant, sometimes it actually benefits the dog because the owners aren't getting really tense and stressed out. But also it can be detrimental to the dog that the owner just hasn't seen the threat or the problem before it's happened. And I think also like owners generally, as dog trainers, we see a lot more than dog owners will right you know so we suddenly we've got all these things that we've seen previously and that makes us even more anxious because you know like some owners would never have probably seen a proper dog fight before like they've seen a, a scaffold maybe once or twice but like a proper dog fight or a dog proper biting someone they've not seen that probably so they're not like oh yeah dog will be fine whereas like as trainers the more experience you get the more shit you see right and so you can't help, you know, we know in dogs, we can't help or they can't help how they respond based on how they're feeling. And it's the same mm. with us. Like 
it's one of the things that used to really annoy me with a certain someone that would say like just remain calm and assertive so that's <laughs> a lot harder than it sounds to remain calm like i hate flying and if there's some emergency and someone says calm down i'll be like i'm gonna fucking punch you i cannot calm down you know and i think <laughs> that's one of the things that we we, we have to remember the general when rule of thumb never tell a woman to calm down <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's like that in itself is something that we have to practice without our dog. Like, obviously, I'm not like a, prof a professional who can tell you what to do there, but like, I what breathing techniques and things that mm -hmm. will help you cope better in those situations. And that's yep. what we do with our dogs, right? Because when we've got dogs that have got big feelings, we're not necessarily just saying stop that behavior. We're we're trying to help them cope better in the moment, right? So yep. they're still feeling a little bit tense and whatnot. And our our job is to be like, right, I know you feel a bit tense, but let's do those things that we practiced previously and whatnot. And that's so kind of- here we go, little trainer tip for you. Um, only because I had this at, um, I turned up at scent work one day with him. He'd, the morning started with, we walked out the front door and there was a Jack Russell. That was the start of my day. Before I'd even left the property, like it just, and yeah, it spiraled from there. And by the time I got to training and I was just, I literally just burst into tears because I was just like, I can't do this. And my trainer, Rhea Blesser, like I was there, like pretty much on the verge of a panic attack. Like it was not a good place to be. He's in the van, like after just dropping his anal glands because he'd had a moment and it was like, <laughs> we were both very, we had very big emotions. Rhea got me to, recite a sequence of numbers out of order your brain can't do the numbers out of order and stress out and freak out at the same time and do you know what? i've never had someone calm me down so quickly and i think it was like nine two seven three eleven one and she just kept making me say that sequence of numbers and every time i started to get right she added another number onto it until it got to like 10 numbers do you know what that was the quickest way to calm me down and now if i'm like having a little moment or an anxiety attack or whatever hubby now knows to just start saying numbers to me yeah. and it just calms your brain so if you ever do work with a client that you think oh my god like they're actually a, like they're on the verge of just totally change subject. Just start them saying numbers. And it just, I don't know why, but it brings your brain back into thinking mode rather than reacting and kind of what I call hindbrain mode. Yeah, well, like just thinking about that then, I, I'd imagine it's just suddenly having to concentrate on something that should be easy that isn't, but is achievable. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that, yeah, that, that's a really good idea. I like that. I'm going to have to remember yeah, you, that. Yeah, you can steal that. You can have that. I'll, I'll give you that because I stole it. So I'll pass it on. But it's really good way to like, get over it. And I'll I think sometimes like when the dogs are like, when the dogs have reached that point, people then expect them to be able to carry on training or carry on working. A lot of the time with Dodge going through the adolescent stage, I would literally just put him in the van. Yeah. Just put it in the van. Like the van is not a bad place to him. He loves the van. He sleeps in the van. Like he's always been very, very good in the van. That's kind of one of his safe places. So if he's really, really, really getting close to it's about to have a meltdown, just put it in the van. And I mean, a couple of months ago, I met a friend of mine. She's got a little, um, 
it's a wolfy dog mix. There's some Eskimo dog in there. There's like 10% wolf. Like she's all sorts of corner. She's very, very cool. And he got out of the van and went, rah! And I just went, van. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm not meant to do that, am I? Sat in the van for about 30 seconds. Watched him go from, I call it dinosaur mode. All his hackles go up like full stegosaurus. And then you watch his coat go down. He did a massive shake off. Got out the van, did a lovely play bow, kissed her in the face, and we went for a walk. If <laughs> I'd let him get out the van and go raw, we just wouldn't have had a walk. It would have been a nightmare. Mm. Oi, no, van. And I know some people would be like, oh, my God, you shouted him. If I do kissy noise when he's in that mode, I'm going to get nothing. I have to go, oi, listen. There are times yeah. you do just have to go, excuse you. This is non-negotiable. Getting out of the van and screaming in your mate's face, it's like, yeah. it's not, yeah. you know, we wouldn't allow children to get out and be like, ah, you'd be like, no, come here, calm down. And I, yeah, I think again, well, not again, but like, it's a big misconception about like what kind of reinforcement based trainers or trainers that try and rely heavily on reinforcement mm. do, you know, We're not going to let dogs do things that are inappropriate. We're going to interrupt it. You know, and like, and like, we like good trainers will say, like, positive it doesn't mean permissive. Yeah, you know? so massively. When, when your dog's like doing something, like, when your dog's like, like the classic, like, meme, so to speak, where like they've got dogs that are biting someone and then in the, they've got someone with a treat saying, Come here, puppy. Like, yes, as if that's, that's what you not do. a thing. You just look at that and go, Oh, fuck off. That's not a thing. Like, like if my dog's latched onto someone, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that dog off that person. Choke them out, punch them in the face, whatever. I'm going to do whatever. And, and I'm reacting in that moment, right? I haven't thought it through. But that's not a training moment. That's not a learning moment. That's a, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we have to do that like with Sunny when she gets predatory <laughs> and about to, like, go and, like, charge at someone which very rarely happens, but like sometimes, not even with some, like maybe with another dog, she might just, or sorry, not with our fucking chickens. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go, there's a story, explain the story. When at someone or a dog where I've had to go like, Sunny, no, but it hadn't happened, but it's always like, she's got a thing for birds. Like she like will, that's like her favorite thing to do is chase birds. Mm -hmm. And then I'll they tend to get on the roof and we've got a little kind of courtyard where the dogs can be and they're very slowly coming over. And because oh they've been like, they've been like around Poodle and Tory who don't really chase them, they're not really scared of dogs, right? And so there was one time, I think it was Arthur, like they're, all our chickens have got names. They're like, they're like our dogs. I think it was Arthur who was really friendly. I, oh no, sorry, it was Red Cloud. So we've given our, <laughs> we've given our chickens Native American names. I love this. This is brilliant. How many chickens are there and what are they called? 21. Okay, we so, might not go through all the names. Yeah, they're like, we've got Sitting Bull, Red Cloud, Blue Duck, Buffalo Hump. Although Buffalo Hump's fucked off since November and we keep seeing her down the bottom of the garden. She ain't coming home though. Oh, um, she, she's, she's quick. She's had enough of your shit. She's gone. Well, <laughs> that's another story in itself, but that'll go on all night. <laughs> We, she's down the bottom of the garden. We see her in the mornings and the evening, just like having a peck. But back to the original story. So Sunny, it's a bit of an anti-climax, really. All that happened was Red Cloud came flying down and Sunny just bolted. And we're like, Sunny! Like, you know, just reacted like that. And she's like, what? She's like, please don't kill Red Cloud. <laughs> so if we had gone like, 
sunny like that red cloud would have got smashed you know and yeah. so red, red you know, cloud would have ended up as a red cloud yeah. <laughs> and so like you know when things like that happen it's just damage control right and Massive. and luckily and, and like it's how we respond and i think i've heard it might have been ian dunbar ages ago talking about little sunny's just come over now she's like what what are you calling me name for oh love her she's like you called me what do you want human and what i think you want male of the household <laughs> i'm sure it was ian dunbar that he was teaching a recall like so it would become one piece of kibble and then it'd be like a bit more right come bit of cheese and then like it was building up to a really like Cam! and then it was like chicken cheese everything so you'd condition the dog that when you're more erratic the reinforcement is even better yeah yeah, yeah. but that it's was like when you teach emergency stop she start off with like stop yeah, stop. yeah. It's like, ah. so with um with dodge one thing it, it kind of happened but i when i need him to listen when it's um stolen this term from Lisa, um, who I train with a lot. Um, but we call it the non-negotiables, which is yes. I've asked you to do it and you need to do that like now immediately. This isn't like a cute little yep. party trick that if you do it, whatever, this is a, I've just told you to and you need to. Um, I don't use his name, I say Shepherd. Wow. And Dunbar talks about having working names for his dogs and pet names, yeah. doesn't he? Where yeah. he uses like a... And actually, it may have come from that subconsciously, but I found because people, Siri's getting involved as well. Um, on my watch, Siri just got involved. But I find that sometimes people are like overusing their dog's names. And like, I use his name all the time in the house. So when I need him to actually listen, it needs to be this like conditioned name. So Munch is kind of emergency, I need you here right now immediately is actually fathead. <laughs> Fatted. That's like I've called lots of dogs fatted. Fatted. <laughs> that means like now. Yeah, and yeah. I remember we were over the park one day, and like where we used to walk, there was like a lovely lake, and it was it like the main path itself was like an actual path where you didn't get dirty, but obviously there was woods and mud and everything around. And there were munch has gone hooning, and then I've seen this couple, no dog white chinos beige wool coat no. and munch is heading at them and i'm like oh shit. yeah and it was fat stop and she stopped dead like lit like best emergency <laughs> stop ever yeah. come came back walked hill obviously i'm heavily reinforcing as we walked past the bloke went Wow, well trained up. I'm not gonna lie, I was freaking smug as anything with her walking to <laughs> flicky toes while I'm shoving cheese in her face. Like that was amazing. But that didn't come from that. That came from a lot of training of emergency recalls and like I need you now. And I think training your dog with that mental crazy voice makes so much sense because we don't use happy, clappy, fluffy voice in an emergency. No, yeah, you yeah, don't. Very in control of your emotions if you can do that, which most people aren't. <laughs> I'm definitely not. No, not at all. Not at all. So let's just, because this now has raised a question in my head. With, um, with your, with little baby dog, what do you right. do with her to like get her attention quickly? 
So we've always got to run a long lead. We okay. did an e-collar, uh, like, so I've said it and people are going to be like, oh, short collar. No, so let's, no, let's actually have a chat about this because I think it's important because a lot of people, I don't agree with an e-collar in use as training if you are having to zap the dog more than once. In the words of Ian Dunbar, you're just being a bully. Yeah, well, exactly. So the idea was because she's touch sensitive and like she can't hear, it would just be um, it would be a, a marker basically. And mm -hmm. so it's a it's a physical mark to her. Yeah. So she'd been on a vibration oh, again. I think this is correct. She'd been on a vibration collar, but that had freaked her out because okay, you know, this is interesting. Vibration. If you if you feel the vibration on a uh, like a vibe, it's quite firm. It's like. Zzz, you can feel it. It's like, it's a, like when your phone's on silent in your pocket and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. It's like that. But whereas an e-collar, because they've got like, what, up to a hundred plus settings, the dog doesn't feel it up to what, five, six. Some dogs won't feel it up to like 14, 15. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is like, so in terms of like e-collar, we, we found the working level, which was, I can't, I think it might be nine for Adira. Okay. And then just reinforce. Reinforced. And so we never went up to like the, the boost mode. No, you're, so not, you're not shocking her and you're not using it to reduce the behavior. You're not using no, no, it no. to correct her. You're not electrocuting your dog and being a dick. It was only the way we could think of about getting a marker at a distance or a cue at a distance, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea was going to be, but she just really hated it. So she was always very averse to um, the, the stimulus around her neck. And it took us, because we were trying to teach her as well, because we, we struggled a lot with vibration, um, not vibration, like frustration related behaviors when she was mm -hmm. a barrier. So she would weave and whatnot. So we started to try and teach her that, um, again, with, with the e-collar, so when she feels the, the boop, then she we had a scented mat that she could then go and find, lie down on, and we've got a um, treating train and she'd get reinforcement that way. Mm -hmm. That was one of the ways we were also trying to teach her to do things. Because um, I guess the treat and train um, would have a level of vibration to it because of the um, disc turning. So she, yeah, exactly. And obviously so, the smell of the food as well, because what's her sense of smell like? It must be like through the roof. amazing. Got another funny story about chickens. <laughs> so again, it's buffalo hump. We lost buffalo hump in November, the second day we had her, and about we we've got a pad. We've got quite a few paddocks. There's a paddock up the top there. And we, we usually take all the dogs up there and we hadn't taken Adira there for a few few days or a few weeks. We'd normally take her somewhere else. Um, and then one time we decided to take her up there and she's on a long lead and she's just sniffing around. And then all of a sudden we hear like, bah, 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 and then buffalo humps like flattering out of the like bushes. And she'd found buffalo humps sitting on 10 eggs. So all our other dogs had never found buffalo hump in the, like, the week or two that they'd been up roaming. First time Adira goes up there, her nose is down and finds her. And we're like, wow. And like, if we've lost toys, she'll go and find them. She's like got an incredible sense of smell. We could like, if we try and like, we'll put a toy on the van, which is like a like six foot high or plus van. Yeah. We'll be like trying to jump up because she can smell the toy up there. It, it's really, really good, her sense of smell. So now I've kind of got, I'm, I'm going back to my daredevil reference, but I've now got like that her world just through scent is like, yeah. she <laughs> can see like, because actually, I, it must be that because those other senses just aren't present, 
her sense of smell and touch must be so so hypersensitive like I think so. It's and and because she and I guess because she has to heavily rely on those senses more, she's mm. using them a lot more, right? And so, yeah, she's got an incredible sense of smell. Um, which yeah, it's it's really cool because you can do like nose. Like she can indicate on a piece of coin, like and stuff like that, and and search for it and whatnot. And like, uh, I mean, when we talk about like sort of spaniels and like sort of ha like hounds and stuff, like you hear people say, oh, great, they've got nose blind because they just, they've hit a scent of something and that's it. You can whistle, shout, call, whatever you're doing. And those other senses have switched off because the nose has taken over. So it does make sense that her sense, her, that her... Yeah her nose and her olfactory system is just through the roof that's crazy so going back to the collar and i'm being mindful because i don't want people being like oh Taz uses e-collars on his dogs like that's not what we're saying yeah, no, we don't use it anymore because she didn't like it so to cut a long story short we tried it and she just never got a positive association towards it and so before Which we even started but actually, that's interesting itself because there are trainers that will say you can positively condition. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with them, but it just wasn't. And so I think previously... But not with every dog. Exactly. And I think previously she had had a collar on. And I think because they were using the vibration setting, she mm -hmm. became very sensitive towards that. And then I'd imagine what's happened over time. She just didn't. Maybe if we had persisted a bit more, she would have got a positive. But then social. that's like me saying, so you know that I was talking last year about like using a head collar with Dodge. And that was quite controversial in the mm -hmm. training world because head collars do work on pressure. And I, ha I had some trainers that like, I thought I was going to get lynched because I was putting a head collar on my dog. I'm serious. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm making the worst choice in the world. And coming from a horse background, I was like, we, we stick a head collar on a horse every day. Like, why is this a problem? Dodge, I spent a lot of time conditioning it. He can walk out in it. Now, there was one type he was definitely more comfortable with and I keep it in the van in case I need it. But actually, the time and effort I was spending training him and him to wear it, by the time he was fully conditioned, we didn't actually need it that much. And like, you know, if I was taking him somewhere new and busy, I would put it on because to me, that's my little safety belt. That's my emergency break. Because mm. if I can control the head bit, I can control the rest of the dog. Um, but this is where, like, I remember seeing, um, and this is a public, public safety announcement never ever ever put a dog on a head collar attached to a flexi lead right yeah <laughs> because do you're gonna break your dog's neck mm. um and i literally watched this dog full tilt to the end of the flexi and then it hit the end and the dog's ass ended up facing the wrong way it literally yeah. like spun round, and i was like oh my god it's neck it's back mm. like just no but i and even with like muzzle training him you know i've had to muzzle train him because he wants to eat the vet basically but again if i'm going to be in a situation where i need to take him that i can't control the world i'm going to put a muzzle on him to keep him safe 
Yeah. No one told me that it's cruel that I'm preventing him from biting people. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like we said earlier, like every dog is so vastly different as yeah. well. So, you know, so like what, like what, so some dogs will be okay. Like, and again, it goes back to the, go back and go back to the e-collar. You'll talk to people that do use e-collars that will say one dog's working level might be four. Like they can feel it at level four. And then another might be like 20 or something really high to start with. And so like, and and uh, where was it? In Holland, they've got uh, they've got like working Malinois, and I can't remember what the they're called. I what forgot. like the Dutch herder? No, they it's a oh, it's like a KMPV. Is that right? Am I? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. So I remember being on their website, and it was like a Q and A. And one guy was talking about one specific dog and talking about how this dog, when it would like get in aroused, it would just fuck off the collar, no matter what level it was on, you know, whereas another dog will be like shut down at like level 20, hmm. you know, and, and I think it's, it's I'm not promoting e-collars at all. No, <laughs> right. no we're making this very, very clear, yeah, but it's, it's something that I think a lot of people a lot of trainers shy away from understanding the workings of because we go well that's horrendous why would you do it but actually if you understand how something works you can then go well i don't i won't use this because this is how it works exactly and, and i think like as soon as you like you should be willing or like listen to other people's perspective even if you don't think you're going to agree with them like so mm -hmm. if someone uses an e-collar it doesn't make them a bad trainer or it, like, you know, Michael Ellis, I think is one of the best trainers that I've seen work and he, but he does things that I don't necessarily agree with or wouldn't do myself, but they're like a lot of things that he does do. And I'm like, yeah, that's really good. So I just take the stuff I like and then apply it to how I'm going to train. But also his timing is so <laughs> ridiculously precise exactly. that when he does use the tools that we wouldn't, the information he's giving the dog is so precise that, you know, even myself, I watch videos of me training and sometimes I'll mark and I'll be like, did you want your mark to be any fucking later? Like, what are you doing? Now, if I can't say yes and give a cookie to the dog at the right time, I sure as fuck should not be using a collar. And I think that that is the biggest issue that you'll find is that like, you, you know, marking and reinforcing people get wrong so then marking and like or just using an e-collar correctly in the right time is going to be just as hard if not harder because we don't want to no one wants to be zapping their dog for no reason mm. right no matter what unless you're a, a dick yeah <laughs> there might be a few out there that are doing it but most people like don't want to be doing it mm. um but you anyway, going back to adira she didn't like the e-collar we stopped using it yeah. she she's on a long lead now and we're unhappy with that and because what she generally does is instead of most like most dogs will run in straight lines right she circles hers right looking at your strava when you've been out with her is hilarious it looks like a small child has scribbled yeah so if we take her to a field she will run around in circles and she will love it but then since we've moved here we do run with her on the street because we're on country roads no cars really come but what we've started to see now is that she actually will just run in the, like a straight direction for a prolonged period, which is something we struggled with initially. Mm -hmm. We initially 
have a dog with us that she potentially probably was smelling and she would follow them. But now we can take her out and she gets on the road. We put her in a sit and then we go, go. And she just goes. And it's like, actually, it's like you wouldn't know she's blind if you like, sort of like drove past because she's just pulling and trying and like just going with you. It's really, really cool. And you can kind of steer her. So like on, we've got a little uh, bungee kind of attachment. And if mm-hmm. we need to go that way, put her over there. She goes that way. So almost like neck reining with a horse, you just put a little bit of pressure the side you need her to turn and she turns that way. Quite a few videos of me just running with her and stuff like that. And, that, and that's another way, like if we need her to, when she's on the long lead, if we, we've got like, um, it must be about 10, 15 meters, it's quite long. So if mm. we're she's over there and we need her to come back, what we'll do is we'll just do little tugs on the lead, like, and she yeah, a little like, vibration right. down to her. Yeah, I was going to say that to you. Do you do like either sort of the lead stroking like Grisha uses with like the bat stuff to kind of slow her up or like, as you say, just little vibrations like yeah. down the down the lead. That that makes sense. And with her being so kind of touch sensitive and so um, aware of like what's going on physically on her body, it makes sense. But to me also, I totally understand why using like either using a vibration collar or an e-collar on a deaf dog a lot of people do look at that as an option but i think i also understand why potentially the dog would find that aversive because if you are that sensitive to touch so it's it's probably not the best example but the thing i can think of is um so my mum's a hairdresser and obviously i have my my crazy pink hair when I'm getting my hair done and stuff, it's fine. But if my mum goes to play with my hair and just kind of do plaits or braids, it's really fucking annoying and I don't like it. Which sure. my poor mother being a hairdresser was like, yeah, I've got a daughter. She's got lovely hair and I can do this stuff. And I'm like, get off me. I don't like it. Like a feral child. Um, much prone to play with cars and climb trees and stuff, bless her. But for me, like... Like you're saying with your feet being tickled, like you could, again, that goes back to that conditioning. You could condition you as much as you wanted. You're not gonna like your feet being touched. Yeah, no, exactly. And then it's one of the things we say to our like clients is like counter conditioning or classical conditioning builds up associations, right? Mm-hmm. But there's another part of that, the evaluative conditioning, which the, 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 like if it's a person they have to decide on. So for instance, if Trump comes on the TV and you get $100 every time he comes on the TV, you'll be like, I like seeing Trump on TV. Do you like him as a person? No. That would still, oh, yeah. Yes or no. That would stay the same, right? Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying to be- sorry political, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, I'm just, Trump was just a, I just took it out of the air, all right? the examples, dude, like... <laughs> So I've, I've even they, just gained loads of American listeners or lost them. One of those two things happened. So, like, the, so what happens is, yeah, you enjoy seeing him on the TV, but mm-hmm. whether you like him or not now remains the same, probably. You just think, he's going to give me money because he's on TV. That's, so that's get- a really good way of explaining it to people. We've got dogs that are barking at other dogs and we do counter condition or classical condition and we change that behaviour. That doesn't mean then, all right, now this dog must go and love to play with them because we've just changed the association, right? We haven't, they've got to decide if they like other dogs or not. Yeah. We can't influence that that much. And that's where as well, I think when we do kind of 
work with dogs that are I, I'm always kind of I don't like using the label reactive because at the end of the day we're all reactive and everything reacts but I like your big emotions that's that's a really good way of explaining it and I'm stealing it forever um but if if dog if dodge is having a big emotion and I can quite often I use a toy with him rather than food because I'm very aware that for him sometimes he just needs to go raw and actually him biting a toy is a much better release than him getting a bit of hot dog. But I then have to be aware of them playing tuggy. Am I then increasing the arousal more by playing tuggy? Or is that just a redirection and a release of that? that I, no, I think that's what we, yeah, we, we, that's what I do all the time. With, when we have our balling trains and reactive dogs, that's what we'll see. Like when, when you've got a dog that's got big feelings, they've got adrenaline, like, going mental in their system asking them to remain still is the hardest thing they can possibly do in that moment of time and so a lot of people will be like well i've done the food and it doesn't work and it's like well there's a reason why it doesn't work you know like imagine if you're really stressed out and someone says oh, just have this hot dog you'll feel better I'd be like, oh, fuck off mate you need to do something with that adrenaline right you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so if anyone you know anyone that's got ptsd or struggles with anxiety and they, they they've got to move they can't mm -hmm. just sit still it gets worse and so when we've got these dogs that have got these big feelings and reactive and towards other dogs, we might have to put them on a toy first. Mm. And so one of the things that we do is we will do a lot of play and kind of get our play skills and dogs play skills up to scratch that we're on both on the same level. So we know how to play it. And then eventually we start using that as a, as a reinforcer. So look, there's another dog, we're at a safe distance, get the toy, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what we will then start doing is we'll start going through, we'll do like specific markers. So we'll do, yes, they get food to the mouth. They'll find it, have to go and find a bit of food, get it or kill it, they get the toy. And so what we're trying to do on the side is- Kill it, just as the dogs are going, kill it. Yeah, great, love that, right, okay. So you're, you're... I, use, I use reward specific markers a lot for that mm. because it does really, really affect the dog's arousal levels. And so Dodge has, Low, high to low, high to low. Yeah, I think Dodge probably has. So the girls, I never sort of really, I just didn't delve into it much with them. It wasn't really needed. Whereas mm. with him, like off the top of my head, we've got um, click is stay exactly where you are and food is coming to your mouth. That's the room service. Um, right. I tend to reserve the clicker for when I'm doing kind of, um, conditioning and stretching stuff with him where it's quite so i need him to be precise and controlled and kind of yeah. a bit more trick stuff if we're getting kind of into the nitty-gritty stuff um yes is kind of foods coming um get it is either his toys out or i've got it on space so i've done a lot of stuff with him the toys out in view and he has to work around that toy and then he can get it to kind of do a little bit of frustration work with it, positive frustration. Oh my God, felt like I just opened a can of words. We're not starting that one. Um, okay. <laughs> case is I've either thrown the toy or food because that brings him up. But then sprinkles brings him down because sprinkles is you're gonna do a proper sniffy search. Find yeah. it is there's gonna be a, in fact, find it is generally his actual searching working indicator yeah. cue. Um, so sprinkles is one, whereas if I say catch, he knows to get ready to catch something in his mouth. So off the top of my head, he's got about eight different markers for 
it's either yeah. food or a toy, but it's how it's being delivered and where it's coming from. Yep. And it helps the dogs understand what's going on. Now, if I did that with the chihuahuas, they'd probably just look at me and go, can you just feed me now? Hurry up. Yeah. But for him, he thrives on that, on the, the instruction. Yeah. And it's, it's like you're just making it like, it's like going to the bank. I need to withdraw some money. You don't know how much money you're going to get, but you're going to get money. Whereas, you know, I need to withdraw money. There's 50 pounds or $50, $20. You know exactly what you're going to get because it's yeah. there in front of you. And I think that's the same with, with the dogs. We just like not leaving any room for interpretation. Get it. You've got the toy, you know, yeah. like find it. There's going to be a bit food over there. And so that's what well, a few years ago, well, a good few years ago, I used yes for everything. Yeah. And I just, you know, and I think everyone probably did. And then you, you more you get into it, you more, well, how can I make it clearer for the dog to understand what we're doing? Mm -hmm. And then your training just gets like more complex, more complex. And then like well, next year we'll have like 200 markers each or something, I guess. Oh, and when, yeah. And then you have your keep going markers. So like yes. with him, it's like nice or good means what you just did. I'm enjoying, but you have to keep working. And like, we're just opening up a whole minefield. Of yeah, life. no, exactly. But I think it's good. It's like, it's, it gives, especially owners, like it gives them things to think about and how they can like up their training or up their ability to get the results they want with their dog. Because, you know, like whenever I'm talking to my clients initially, it's like, all right, first of all, I'm going to try and change your behavior. Don't worry about the dog. We're going to change your behavior first and then we'll see behavior change with the dog. Because I get, I get all my clients to like send me videos of them training. I'm not even watching what the dog's doing really. I'm like focusing on the human and, yeah. you know, and I say like when you're watching your videos back, don't worry about your dog. They're the student. You're the teacher. To have a good student, you need to be an excellent teacher. Yes. Focus on how you can be, get a, get, become a better teacher and your dog will become a better student and we'll go from there. And a lot of people, when they come to me, they're like, they've got one problem and they think we're going to focus on that, but then we're not. We're going to focus on that eventually, but we need to get you up to scratch to resolve that issue first. And that will yeah, take yeah. some time. And you know, like from being at like trainer stuff and things when we play the trainer game or you, or it's the classic, right, I'm going to get a tennis ball. When the tennis ball hits the floor, I want everyone to click. And it sounds like a techno rave because just everyone's clicks are so everywhere. You're just like, wow, what just happened? Like, are we all looking at the same thing? Like you're clicking early, you're clicking late. Some people exactly. are feeling a bit shy because there's other click at like, yeah. But yeah, good point. And like, you'll, you'll realize how it's not easy, you know, just like getting your timing right. It's not, it's a I actually find what I found with when I used to do like group class and stuff, I used to love it, especially if kids came along, especially kids that um, play computer games. Their timing was epic. Oh, yeah, I bet. They are like, like programmed That's muscle memory right there, isn't it? Yeah, like, like a clicker is just like that shooting button. They are there and they are on that click and you're like, wow, okay, like that's interesting. And I do think that, again, it's, it's the way we're taught and the way we learn is how we tend to teach our animals and it sort of all goes for like in a big circle. But I love that you focus on the fact that the owner is the teacher. And I think that's something that's massively, massively overlooked. Yeah, no, 100%. And because like when COVID hit, we had to like, we had to go online, right? So everyone yeah. had to do virtual Zoom sessions. And a lot of people were worried like, oh, how are we not going to, how are we going to see results? Because how can you come to my house and train my dog? And so we have to explain like, well, I can do that, but 
I'm only there for an hour, two hours, once a fortnight, and then it's on you. And we, we get just as good results by like, because a lot of the time, this is where I do, this is our sleep out. And what I'll generally do is I'll push this back and then I'll do a bit of training with one of our guys and I'll be like, all right, you'll go. And it's like, it's a, it's a virtual session, right? So I can tell them what to do. And then yeah. we're going through what we're doing on, online and, and, and just explaining to people like how it, it's, again, it's just changing your behavior, getting your mechanics up to, up to scratch to get, because like, we all know that owners have got humongous expectations. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, I've, I've got a dog, he's eight years old, he's like being, he's killed one dog, he's barking at the others, I just want it fixed. So, oh, okay, cool. All right, <laughs> well, like, give me an hour and I'll fix that for you. <laughs> no, it's just not going to happen. I do. So it's owner education, getting their expectations to probably a more realistic goal. And, and eventually you'll probably like change what they wanted in the first place and then we can work towards that yeah yeah massively taz thank you so so much i'm i'm looking at the time and this you may have beaten tom candy on the record for longest episodes i'm well impressed i'll i'll let you know the full results later but um obviously we will be seeing each other in september and giving each other grief for getting shaped ember um yeah i reckon goodall's knee is going to be like duffed in and he'll be walking I want to see if he tries to run a marathon now every day rather than a half marathon and see how long he can do that. Well, that, right. So just let's just dive back. So if you've, if you listen to this podcast regularly at the end of season one, episode 50 was the get in shape timber episode where, um, I, I feel a bit gloaty, but I won. <laughs> yeah, you won, all right? Fucking hell. Just say it. Is that it's only because you angered me? I was gonna I was gonna take second place and then the last day you really really pissed me off. And I ended up doing more than a marathon in a day. Like yeah, I, think, I think I did like in that evening, I think I did 17k on the treadmill and halfway through my um my watch battery started dying, so it wasn't gonna record what I was doing. I had to stop, charge my watch. And the last 7K, I think I ran it in like 35 minutes or something stupid. And I was so pissed off and so <laughs> angry. My neighbours must have wondered what the heck was going on because I had like some freaking Beyonce playlist going on of like, who runs the world? Girls. And then I was like on this treadmill, I was angry running. If, like I was checking my phone all through the night. How many kilometers carry done? How, oh, she's that. Oh, fucking hell, she's gonna do it. I remember waking up and I was like, Yeah, it's like six hours left. Then I think you were, you, you must have been doing your like last 7k or something. And I was like, Nah, that's just ridiculous. So, the getting shaped ember is, <laughs> I was invited this year for the first time, and I think your boys regretted your decision a little bit. You didn't because we had good banter, but. I will admit, I walked a lot of it. I did walk a lot of it because running is not always my strong point. But when I was on the treadmill, I was running. Um, when I was kind of out and about in the roads, I tend to do road walking rather than running. But we did over 200K, didn't we? Yeah, yeah it was a lot. But, but it was one, at, least you, at least you didn't do a nick and recalled walking to the, what was it, the Chinese? 
or that no one day just to take them because didn't Goodall record like walking to train like walking to the toilet or something training and I had to walk to the post office which was like 1k and I was like I'm taking that kilometer (laughs) Nick was doing it I feel like Nick was doing it a lot I just remember like Steve giving shit <laughs> he was just like stroll to the shop stroll to the chai it was a korean he went to the korean oh, restaurant in the, the first year we did it steve got in a fucking taxi and left his scrubber on he did a kilometer in like 30 seconds or something stupid and we're like no steve no that is not you running <laughs> Yeah. He got in a taxi with his Strava. That's brilliant. Um, so no, I'm looking forward to getting shape temper this year. I think it's I think it's gonna be a good crack. Um, I'm hoping that the boy's gonna be a bit more bit more like a normal dog, and I might actually be able to take him him early morning running. Um but the thing with me as well, because I've I remember speaking to my sports physio in like July. And I was like, because I think, yeah, it was like the very end of July, you guys asked why I'd join in. And she was like, so what have you got to do? And I was like, well, how many like kilometers we can? I was like, last year, I think they got to 200. And she went, Carrie, you don't do running. I was like, yeah, I know, it'll be fine. Halfway, do you know, I did two ice baths though, September. I, I went hardcore. I actually did a couple of ice baths to try and preserve my muscles enough so that I could win, like, I got far too serious. When I told hubby about it, he was like, oh, great. I'm not going to see you for September. And I was yeah. like, no, I'll be fine. He went, you realise we can't play Scrabble anymore because of how competitive you are. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, like, in fairness, it does take up, like, if you're, like, Steve was running half a marathon every day, which is, what, two, two and a well, half hours. we say every day. He managed it for about four days and then broke himself because he's old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that, but like, and because I was like, oh, Steve can't carry on doing this, so I, I wanted to keep up with him. So that's why we were probably on average doing at least two hours of running or walking or whatever it was a day. Yeah, and that is a lot. Yeah, you know, it is a lot. Except you on your last day, which you probably did about seven hours worth of running or whatever it was. Dude, seriously, I went out in that morning and I was like, right, this is gonna be it. And I was like, right, Taz is finished. And I went out for my like my morning walk. And I was like, that's it. I've got second place. I was determined like that the other two weren't going to catch me. I got second place. I'll take it. And then you went out for another little run. Yeah, I think it was because I miscalculated it. And I wanted to finish on a certain number. And I think I was like, point not, like I'm rubbish at maths. Hence why I keep getting my time zones wrong. <laughs> like point nine out. So I was like, fuck. So I quickly just ran to the end of my street and ran back or something like that. And then that wasn't even meant to annoy you. That was just me trying to get to my goal. It did. And I, because I remember I was on the phone to my best mate and I went, Taz has just been out again. And she went, oh, now you've got to beat him. And that was it. Like, I was like fully angered. And I did over a ma- I think I did. Three points. I mean, I'm sure it was it. We can go back for it. Yeah, we, yeah, I should have had a look, but I think that last day, I think what's the marathon like twenty six point six miles or something works out like forty two k. I think I did something like fifty k in a day or something okay. like it was just a really stupid amount. And I remember the next day, like 
I spoke to I spoke to my sports physio and was like, I just because I was messaging her for it and she turned around to me and she went, if you beat him, you get your massage for free. And I messaged her and was like, I've done, and she was there the whole time because she does um she does um Thai boxing, so she's super competitive as well. And she was like, Come on, girl, you can't let those boys be you. like yeah, just I just got angered. I'm sorry. It was a good effort. I don't think that was the most that anyone's ever run in a day, I think, your run. So yeah, after after Goodall kept taking the mick out of me for my walking, I was like I, yeah just angry treadmill and the thing was though because I was so angry I must have looked hilarious because the angry I was getting I was getting bouncier in my running <laughs> I oh, just looked like a tigger like just boiling on the freaking treadmill like a crazed beastie and the other thing I found really interesting because I started off listening to music I did a bit of a bender and started listening to audiobooks oh really I got through about like three or four books like over the month just while I was on the treadmill. Like la 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 la. I could do podcast. I don't think I've done audio books when I'm running. I've done podcasts. Oh, yeah, I think Benji was listening to like four, like full, like 40 hour novels while he was walking for his career. Jesus. Right, Taz, if people want to find you, obviously get in shape, Temba. There is a Facebook group. Lots of banter, lots of abuse. We love each other really, yeah. but we give each other shit. It's good. Um, where can people find you? Because they can train with you from anywhere in the world. Yeah, they can, if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go up my face uh, Facebook page, Lewis Nichols Dog Training, but with kind of with Hannah who had Think Dog before we got together. We've kind of amalgamated, so we're both part of Think Dog, uh, thinkdog.nz. Okay. Um, and then obviously uh, we've got the Ignore My Dog campaign that we talked about, and then we've got our Patreon page, which is just basically it's a subscription based where people can sign up. There's no fees to sign up, but it's a monthly cost. I think it works out about it's seven point seven seven point five seven fifty US dollars per month. Um, and you get access to, we've got about 70 plus videos on there at the moment, but we try and nice. upload them every week. Um, and generally the, the training we do with the dogs that we're boarding for board and train. And we, we try and document everything we do. And then we'll compile like 40 minutes of training down to like 11 minutes to show the bits we think are important. And then we'll do a mm -hmm. voiceover so we can explain what and why we're doing things. Um, so you get access to all our training and whatnot on there. And then you can also sign up to email support whereby uh, you can get in touch with your issues and we can kind of go through um, my, some things that we might be able to change to get behavior, um, behavior modification. And then we've also got, so we also just take all our clients through Patreon now as well. So we've got a gold and a platinum tier whereby you can have a, either a fortnightly Zoom session or a monthly Zoom session. And then we've, we've got a WhatsApp group together whereby we send out videos back and forth and Oh, um, excellent! So, yeah. so the the future is virtual, and we're loving this, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I will see you in September, um, yeah. virtually, and yeah. hopefully, once the blooming world opens up again, when I'm heading towards, because I've definitely got Perth in my diary, so I might have to do an extra, an extra plane trip over and come to New Zealand as well, because I think that'll it's be fun. Hours, I think it is from Perth, but yeah. <laughs> 
dude, it's still Perth is still closer than I am now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, definitely come to New Zealand because I'm sure like people will be interested in hoopers. We've we've here. got some hoopers world instructors in New Zealand already. Are they Christchurch? Or, uh, you know, I will have to check it out. Look, but there are Hoopers World trainers in New Zealand. I've I've sown my seeds that far in the international stratosphere of Hoopers. It's great. Um, so, guys, if you want to um, follow me on social media, you can find everything at Canine Hoopers World. Check out the website caninehoopersworld.com. If you want to follow Dodge's adventures on Instagram at Dodge Shepherd, Minx is at Minx Chihuahua. And until next time, guys, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock, and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes, and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook, like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at K9Hoopers. Check out our website www.K9HoopersWorld.com. Remember, K9Hoopers World, everyone's invited.